right. Well, welcome to the Raj and Drew show for entrepreneurs. We are talking about building, creating, developing, sustaining a culture of innovation in your organization. Entrepreneurs out there, innovation is a word that that you should be talking about, you should be thinking about, a term that you should be excited about. It should be something that drives you. Raj, I just got an article in my uh, email this morning from a, a local Fort Worth reporter uh, publication and the first article up there was innovation and i click on it and it's about these rare earth metals and we're putting one of uh the first uh rare earth metal uh sites here and manufacturing sites here in fort worth and uh you know it's, they're we're excited about it. it's exciting stuff um we're trying to i know the country as a whole is trying to bring those rare earths that power our smartphones all the way to our you know uh military jets and everything in between has these rare earth yeah. metals in them and um, we're trying to bring some of that here so ge uh put a big contract here in um uh in town or excuse me gm put a big contract here in town so that we could do that and uh anyways we're talking about innovation and uh we're talking about electric vehicles and and all that kind of stuff with these with these metals so when you think of innovation what is the first thing that comes to mind when you think innovation from an so entrepreneur perspective from an entrepreneur the innovation for me is monumental change okay basically you need to bring significant change in the coming years Basically, for you to go back and really talk about innovation or thinking about innovation is what is going to be different in three to five years. So you okay. are making some assumptions about your business. You're making some assumptions about your customers. You're making some assumptions about the market conditions. Mm. And based on that, what are you going to go back and provide to your customers? So you're making some assumptions three to five years. Yeah. And then you're going creating products and services to go back and serve those needs. That is innovation for me. Okay. Okay. So it's forecasting out. It's looking beyond the here and now and saying, yes. what do we think are going to be the pain points or the challenges? It's so funny. I've I've been focused a lot on empathy. I'm doing some leadership material, some content, empathy. We know we talk about it often. It's, it's a big deal. Um, but I was listening to Gary Vee. I'll give him 100% credit. And he said, the reason why um, I have been right on so many things out here with social media and, and different items that he's kind of uh, maybe I would say made strategic bets. That's kind of how I would I would term it. He said the reason that I've been right on those things is because I have so much empathy for um, for my customers and really for the, the general public. He said he believes he can uh, empathize on a mass scale and he can kind of he has empathy for a culture, meaning he can feel the needs that they have. And then he creates a solution in advance. So that's what I, that's what I hear you saying with innovation yes. is it's really, it's trying to get in the head and the heart and the mind and the life of your ideal client customer. And then working backwards to solve that problem uh, in advance. Yeah, very, very true. So basically Gary, we really, really hit the nail there. Basically that is exactly what innovation is all about. Yeah, definitely. And so we were talking kind of off off camera or off uh, off air before about the difference between problem solving and innovation. You shared some amazing insights with that. Would you just tell all the listeners, you know, when you think of problem solving cuz I, you know, innovation, that's solving a problem we just talked about solving yes. your your customer's problem out in the future. But what's the difference between problem solving and being innovative 
and do I need both? And and yeah, what are the, the similarities similarities and the differences? No, definitely you need both. The way I look at it is problem solving is more from your short term thinking. You get some okay. incremental value from problem solving. Like I need to improve my production by 10% or 5% or I have a problem here. I need to solve it so that I can make more profit or I can serve my customer better. So a lot of these things are incremental values to us. So okay. you are working in the same mindset of where it is, but you're trying to solve a problem to go back and be better, faster, cheaper, better. Those are mm. the terms you go back and describe whenever it is problem solving. Yeah. But when you come into innovation, you're going beyond the one year or so. You're going into the three to five years. You're really taking the time to understand your customers. You yeah. can call it design thinking, the way you go back and empathize with the customers as a make some assumptions about the future of that, and then you're building some solutions for that. So mm -hmm. both of them may be similar in a thought process perspective, but I would call it incremental versus monumental. I love that, incremental versus monumental. And really, when I think about it from like a, a, a function uh, in the business standpoint, problem solving is a great operation skill. It's great yes. for the operators, for the COO, for, for anybody working in that operation and delivering services on a daily basis. But the visionary skill is that innovation skill. And, yes. and but, but there's got to be some practical application beyond just envisioning three to five years and, and, you know, we talk about a culture of innovation. What is, what's the value of having a culture of innovation? What if, what if I'm just a visionary leader and I say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to look towards the future. I'm going to be innovative and you guys just do what I say, you know, <laughs> like, like why, why do I need a whole culture of it? What if I'm just an innovative person and I tell everybody else what to do? Do I need a culture of innovation and kind of help me understand why that's important? See, basically, if you don't have a culture of innovation, you're pretty much working with what you already have. So it's almost mm. like the fixed mindset. Hey, gotcha. These are the products and services we are working with, and this is what we are going to do. But when you go back and have an innovation, like 3M is a great example for me. Just go back and think of how many innovative products 3M has done. Mm -hmm. Because they're given, they have a culture of innovation, and everybody keeps on experimenting with so many different things. And the sticky note, which we all talk about, was a oh, failed yeah. experiment in 3M. Really? I didn't, tell me the story. Yeah, basically, they were trying to go back and create some material which was not visible, but sticks very, very strong. But they were not getting the bondage or the strength of that sticker. And then suddenly somebody said, hey, this is a great thing. It sticks for a certain time, but it really doesn't make an impression on the wall or the surface where you're putting it. And we can use it this way. So it was a failed experiment, but it gave the world a great solution. A temporary solution for everybody, every house, every student, every employee has sticky notes around them. Absolutely. Well, and promotional products, you know, they made yes. a lot of money off sticky notes too. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, no. Every single field has taken that and create, come up with a very, very creative way, innovative way of utilizing it. So that, that really brings me that example to this idea of associational thinking and just the concept that um, instead of innovative thinking and a culture of innovation, what I'm hearing you with three M's example here is that someone had the ability to say the application that we're currently looking at is not, is not working, 
but there are other applications. And here is another idea out there that I can pull in and we can use this, this product or this experiment and we can solve a different problem. That's kind of how I understand associational thinking. And, and I want us to kind of talk, define associational thinking and then maybe work backwards and say, how do we build that into our organization? Um, and, and I think you've got some great insights on that. So if you could yeah. define associational thinking and then we'll kind of work backwards from there. So basically, associational thinking, if you go back and really look at it, taking topics or knowledge from two different things or three different things and really bringing it together to go back and come up with a unique or a different solution. Yeah. So let us say, basically, you're working in, let us the heating and ventilation industry. Mm -hmm. I'll just take an example. I'm giving yeah. this generic perspective. Basically, if you go back and look at the industry, there are certain things that they can go back and keep on working and they had for quite some time. Yeah. But there may be some other industry where we are learning about different things that we can say, hey, how can we take this and incorporate this into like the refrigeration and the refrigerator, right? There are some mm -hmm. technologies within the refrigeration that can be adapted in and bought into the air conditioning industry. Yeah, yeah. So that is an associational thinking. I'm working with air conditioning. I'm working with so many different things. And I can take it back to the refrigeration industry or look at the refrigeration and bring it into this. Yeah. Yeah, and th the third world countries are one of the biggest examples. If you look at their motorcycles, if you look at their auto rickshaws and the tricycles, mm -hmm. there are so many multiple ways they bring those technologies and work with it. Okay. So anybody in Asia, you will know that if you go to India, you go to Vietnam, you got to the, these things. The regular motorcycle for the US, basically for us, it is a recreation vehicle or a transportation vehicle. Mm -hmm. But for them, it becomes their livelihood. They go back and run a small uh, uh, what I call a small industry around that, a small business around that using their motorcycles. Yeah, definitely. They use it to power some equipment on a road-style foot stall. Mm. And I have seen those, and I'm always fascinated with how creative they are and take that, and that is the innovative side of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I have, I have a friend and mentor um, that had been an entrepreneur for years, and he told me that the best thing you can do is look at different industries and then apply that knowledge. He did it for manufacturing. Um, he 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 had a suntan lotion <laughs> back in the 90s. You remember suntan lotion yes, and tanning yes. beds were a big thing. And he had a suntan lotion business, but he looked to manufacturing and their conveyor belts. And how could he take that and apply that to his suntan lotion business? And it innovated and made them more efficient and made them um, uh, be able to beat out competitors. And so it's that that thinking that um, you can take two things from different industries. I think when you think about app, apps in the app store and there are certain ideas, you know, first it was, um, I, I don't know which came first, if, if people were door dashing or if they were Ubering. I don't know if they came out around the same time, but <laughs> but it's it's kind of the same thing, right? I want my food delivered. I want to be delivered, you know, <laughs> and I want yes. to do it through an app. And you're just exactly. taking those various things and you're applying them with a little tweak. Um, and that's many times when you think about entrepreneurial ideas. Um, a, a great example is I, I won't even say the name of the of the pizza place because I don't remember it. I'll probably get it wrong. But there, there's a, a pizza franchise here in Texas that they do take and bake pizzas. And so instead of having a cooked pizza, you you take it, you cook it at home yourself, you know. Okay. And 
the innovation there is they took a few things away. So instead of offering a cooked pizza, they said, we're going to offer you an uncooked pizza. Now, the interesting thing about this is their insurance is much lower because they don't have ovens and nobody has to man an oven. Nobody's getting burned. It's just a refrigerator. And the other thing is they can be approximately 10% less. Um, they can sell their product for 10% less because it's an uncooked food. It comes under the, the grocery laws. And yeah. so you don't, you don't have to pay the taxes on it because it's groceries. And so if you can undercut your competitors by 10% right out of the gate, offering the same good, then that's an innovation right there. Um, and, and so you're saving money on it by taking some components out and, uh, and making it all work together. So anyways, associational thinking, it's something that has to be part of the entrepreneur's skill set and ability. How do we get that though? How do we build that into these companies that we're, we're building? So basically, the entrepreneur should really look at it from three different angles for really bringing in associational thinking. One okay. is there are certain competencies that they need to help the team members develop. And what are Precisely, those? I will look at it and there are about six different competencies that require. Competencies, okay. like anything else, is a skill. And when it is a skill, you can very easily teach them. And second is the culture, and which is where the important bit of it is the culture piece of it. Okay. Basically, they have to develop a culture. It has to be ingrained into their values and day-to-day operations where they can go back and challenge the status quo. That is the first mm. thing that comes to my mind is there are no more sacred cows. Everything is questionable. Everything can be looked at in a different view, challenging the status quo. And the second part of it is taking calculated risks. Yeah. So that risk-taking piece of it has to be part of the culture. And I think I think that's from a leadership perspective. You know, I go into organizations. I, I traditionally do leadership training, and if you have one of those but not the other, it fails. I mean, yes. you're so you're so wise to say challenging the status quo. So many um, small business owners are say, Drew, I want my team to challenge the status quo in how, whatever way they say it. Right? I want them to think in, innovatively. I want them to try new things. I want them to to uh, take you know, try these different things. But then when the person tries something, they actually take a risk and it doesn't work out. The owner comes and slaps the hand of the the (laughs) leader in their organization, the manager in their organization, sending the message, I really don't want you to take risks with my money or with my business. And and when that happens, you crush that culture of innovation. People yes. go, I learned my lesson. I, I have a family to provide for. I'm just going to do what they tell me to do. I'm going to be a robot. I'm not going to think for myself. I'm not going to explore. And inadvertently, when, when owners of businesses come down like that, they shut down all innovation. They go and they look around. They go, I don't, I don't know why my team won't think for themselves. Well, it's because... They feel like they're going to get fired if they do. Exactly. No, no, no. Very, 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 very true. And a very valid point. And that's the reason why the culture of innovation is so important. And most of the time, people don't realize what, especially entrepreneurs, because they're so busy with so many different activities while they're growing their business. So they really need to take the time and step back and say, what are my actions communicating? Yeah. Because orally, you can, everybody can go back and say, hey, I want an innovative culture. The talk is cheap. <laughs> mm, absolutely. 
But the behaviors, what you have, and what are you doing? What are your actions on a day-to-day basis? The culture is built on the actions, not on what the words they use. Mm, that's the truth. That's the truth right there. So what are these behavior skills that um, that we, we have to have in our organization to, to build that culture of innovation? So the behavioral skills, and people really don't understand when they go back and say behavioral skills. Behavioral skill is something you can very easily observe. Again, it is part of your culture and a fabric, but the number one is basically question, asking okay. the right questions. So that is a behavioral skill. I don't need to know everybody, but if I stand there for a few minutes, oh my God, this is a pretty innovative culture here because everybody's asking questions to clarify and understand what the opinion of the others are. So the okay. questioning is number one piece of it. And the second piece of it is observing. Are we keen observers? And we are looking at and being aware of what is happening around us. Mm. So those are the two things which you see the behaviors. And the third part of it is networking. Are you really working with different people, talking to different people, asking different questions? And then with all of those things, now take it and say, can I experiment with all of those things? Mm. And those are the behavioral skills where people can watch. Yeah. If you were if you were to put a percentage on it, how much of my time as an entrepreneur should be spent or how much should my of my team's time should be spent um experimenting? Uh you know, 20% one day a week, what does that look like when we're experimenting? How much how much time, energy, resources should we devote to experimenting? So I would go back and say there is not a fixed time you would go back and talk about because there are certain industries you need very little innovation versus some industries where you're constantly. So it changes from your product or service. But the good rule of thumb, what we learned from 3M, or if you look at it from Google or some of the companies, they generally go back and spend 10% on the experimentation. 10%. Okay. That is what I have read and I have heard from different people. So at least 10%, they take four or five hours every week and trying to experiment something new, something different. Okay. okay, perfect. Now, when when you talk about these behavior skills and the competencies, um, are we talking about each individual has to have all these or this is the makeup of the entire team? So even if we go through some of the competencies and we talk about creativity, curiosity, experimentation, collaboration, is that 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 everybody embodies those or or we have a, a general makeup of that within the, the organization? So generally, the competencies you really want across the board, but the magnitude or the level would be different. So if okay. I am in R&D, let us say research and development, I'm in marketing, I really want to have a very, very high competency in those things. Yeah. So if I'm in operations or if I'm in manufacturing, I don't see the same level required, okay. but still everybody in the company has to be open because if you're not open, then basically you'll resist change because mm-hmm. when you talk about innovation, you're talking about change. Yeah. So awareness, general awareness, everybody should have, but certain okay. departments and certain functions, they need to have a much higher level competency compared to the others. Okay. Okay. So it's it's across the board. We're we're open to change. We have a culture that's open to change. We understand things are going to change, as opposed to kind of uh, um, well, as you know, I'm 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 into higher education now, and and these tend to be these uh, almost fixed 
um, organizations where very slow to move, just snail's pace um, in, in movement because there are so many committees and boards and trustees and all these people that have to sign off and have to say yes you know, to buy some sticky notes. And so Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I'm exaggerating, of course, but but that's kind of, that is, that, that is the antithesis almost of uh, an innovative culture um, because what, I don't know why I'm still figuring that out, but that is, that's the general understanding in, in higher education and maybe some of these older antiquated companies. Um, So when you think about the entrepreneur, and we're, we're trying to build this culture. We're trying to, um, you know, challenge the status quo and not take risks. Um, are, are there certain questions that the entrepreneur can ask himself to, to determine, hey, am I building a culture of innovation or am I, you know, it, it, am I kind of getting stuck in my own ways? And, and how can they determine that? The, the listener. So one of the things in the strategy process, one of the things I always recommend the small business owner, the entrepreneur is take a month or two and really keep thinking about the long-term piece of it. So the general rule of thumb is you spend about 70% of your time and energy around your next 12 months. Okay. That is your bread and butter. That keeps the lights on, keeps the employees paycheck going and everything else and helping the company do. That has to be done. If not, the company will be in trouble financially. Mm -hmm. So that 70% is there. 20% is really looking at the year two and year three and saying, what are some of the changes? So that can be like the way you are talking about problem solving versus innovation. It falls somewhere in between. Okay, okay. And then the 10% of it is beyond the three years, the three to five years, what it is. So the entrepreneur should always be looking and saying, am I spending enough time to think about the future? Yeah. As entrepreneurs, we get so tied up because like, if you look at a startup kind of an entrepreneur, he's wearing, he or she is wearing eight, nine different hats. Yeah. Now you have 20, 30 employees. Now still you're wearing four or five different hats, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. So they need to start delegating and then they go back and talk about it and say, you know what? I'm looking at it and saying, where is the organization? The vision piece of it is there. They started with the vision, but now do I have the products and the services, the people, all of those things to help fulfill the vision? And that is where the innovation piece of it keeps on coming. Mm. That's good. That's good. That's awesome. Well, it, was there anything else that you wanted to tell us about, about innovation and this, this culture of innovation for the entrepreneur? So. Everybody, when they talk about innovation, they think that they need to have a very, very big creative mind. It has to be some special thinking or a special person to go back and look at it. Mm -hmm. But what research has shown is when you have a very unique product, sometimes that creativity and that kind of innovative mindset is can. But 90% of the companies, this can be built. Everybody thinks innovation is something that is inborn. People are born with it. Yeah. But it is, they're not born with it. Basically, if you look at the competencies, they can be learned. The culture can be developed. The behavior skills can be learned. So mm-hmm. all the three major components of an innovative culture and an innovative mindset is something that very easily you can learn, adapt, and build into your system so that you can take advantage of the associational thinking. So okay. for all entrepreneurs, basically don't think that it is something special. It can be built with the right mindset in any organization, in any culture. Yeah, that's good. And and really just asking yourself how open on a scale of one to 10, how open is my business and my team? 
how open are we to change? And, and maybe just trying to expand on that, whatever that is, maybe, maybe out of a scale of one to 10, you're a one and your company is not very open to change. There's a very kind of stuck. This is how we've always done it. And some key people are like that. And, and it's, it's going well and you love them and they're part of your team and it's great. Let's all grow a little bit. Maybe we, we read a book together. We, we challenge ourselves in our thinking. We talk about an article together. You listen to our podcast, you know, and we <laughs> challenge each other. Cause if there's anything, Raj and I are open to change. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, yes. There's no two ways about it. Yeah, and so we might be on the extreme end, but if we can help your team just move in uh, incrementally, like you were mentioning, to to think more innovatively, think change, change, change. How can change be a good thing and have an association with change as a positive thing, not a negative thing? And we know some of that goes back to behavior style, you know, personality profiles and all that kind of stuff plays yes. into your your acceptance and your your desire to see change happen in your life. But um, anyhow, well, that's that's fantastic, Raj. I think this was super helpful. Um, Drew, I want to with, add one point yeah, here. Absolutely. Basically. So when you look at an entrepreneur, the innovation mindset is built into that. Mm. But what I have been noticing for after talking to so many entrepreneurs and everybody else is somewhere along the process of their growth, when they grow from one employee to 10 employees to 50 employees to 30 employees, depending on every individual entrepreneur is different, they lose that edge of being an entrepreneur. The entrepreneur yeah. world is all about innovation and change. Mm -hmm. But if you look at a lot of small businesses, they're stuck being at 20 employees or 30 employees or making X number of dollars. So what happens is they lose their innovative edge and they become small businesses. They're not entrepreneurs anymore. Gotcha. And the way I define that is entrepreneur is always thinking of growing their business, providing solutions, doing things. A small business is they become into a maintenance mode. They're very comfortable with what they're doing. They're not really bringing a lot of change. Maybe they'll be doing some problem solving, but other than that, they're really managing and maintaining the business. Mm. And that shift I have seen. So basically yeah. between entrepreneur and a small business owner, I would say innovation is the difference. Wow. Well, there you go. There you go. So you got to ask yourself, are you a small business owner or are you an entrepreneur? And, uh, you know, we need both and, and both are great, but they are different. And exactly. so, um, so that is a great question to end on, to get everybody reflecting and thinking, uh, on their, on their drive into work about, uh, am I an entrepreneur or am I a small business owner? Raj, this has been fantastic talking about a culture of innovation, talking about associational thinking and really how we develop that culture in our organizations. Thank you so much for, for uh, this wonderful content. And uh, thank you all for listening and uh, hanging in there with us. Send us some questions. We've got the email address uh, down below in the show notes. Send us questions that you have about um, small businesses, about being an entrepreneur, growing a business, and we would love to answer them. We'd love to connect with you and connect with us on LinkedIn. Um, and with that, we're going to sign off. Raj, I'll see, you. I'll see you on the next one. Okay. Thank you, Drew. Have a good one. You too.